Welcome to the Dead Arm Dynasty podcast, where we try to give a refreshingly candid take on the long-term fantasy value of football players throughout their college and NFL careers. For all you Debbie League, Campus to Canton, Dynasty Fantasy Football Managers, we're just two friends who spend all of our time talking fantasy anyways. We figured why not grab a few mics and capture our conversations. It's your boys Josh and Jell talking fantasy football and current events in our lives. It's time for the Dead Arm Dynasty podcast. Welcome back into the Dead Arm Sports Podcast coming at you on Wednesday, December 15th. Have a big NCAA episode for you, mainly football, but have a little basketball sprinkled in at the end of the show today. Going to talk about some players that are opting out of bowl games, a little transfer portal. Heisman has happened this weekend, no surprises there, but want to touch on that. And then Jell and I are going to give some college coaching higher grades from some of the more prominent hires this offseason. Just going to touch on that a little bit. And then just a couple quick hitters for you from men's basketball. But other than that, as always, Jell, how are you doing today? I am doing I'm doing great. I'm doing really good. How are you, man? I'm I'm good. Yeah. Can't complain. It's uh Wednesday, almost done with the work week. Have a couple days off here stretched out over the holidays. So yeah. Looking forward to I've got, some uh, I've, got time. I've got Thursday and Friday off work, so I'm in a this is I'm in a great spot right now. <laughs> nice. Absolutely. What uh what you sipping on today? So a couple episodes ago, you know I'd mentioned that I had a little bit of trouble with that coffee porter. Yes. That's back that's back in action. Ooh. I'm ready for it. Alright. I'm feeling it tonight. So Sounds good. here we go. <laughs> Attaboy. I am stealing your beer from the last episode, drinking a cold, refreshing Miller Lite. <laughs> Nothing uh, latte. too crazy. Well, yeah, not not the true latte. Not knock off, knock off latte. No, <laughs> not at all. True blue, the true true latte goes, uh, you know, goes to the blue smoothie. Yes, the bush, the bush. <laughs> we can be found at Dead Arm Sports Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I can be found at Das JPEC. That's at D A S J P E C. Gel can be found at Das Gel. That's at D A S J E L. Digging, up- digging the digging the. Switch up on the Twitter change. name, yeah. on that handle. Had to, had to sync us up. and uh, we're little, little, a little synchronization action, yeah. Yeah, we were having a little Wild Wild West shootout, and I guess I was <laughs> the pew, pew, pew. first to draw. <laughs> but. Have you seen Have you seen Tombstone, the movie? Long time ago. Oh. It's a good one, though. Best Western ever. Yes. Not a true, like, like it, oh, God. I, I remember my coworker. Uh, when he first introduced me to that movie, he would always quote it, and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, man? He's like this 65-year-old kind of, you know, just sits out on his patio, smokes cigars, and drinks whiskey, you know, in his free time, and watch al- watches Alabama football. We actually became pretty good, you know, pretty, you know, halfway decent friends uh, before he ended up, him in the, I don't want to get into the details, but, uh, and then he ended up, so he ended up actually leaving that company, or the company that I work for, and now works for the works for Nick Perdomo, who is a huge booster for Alabama football. So Perdomo cigars, if you know, just just little 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 tie in there. Okay. But, uh, yeah. So he works there. for Nick Perdomo. He gets, you know, he's got all these like sweet seats, like literally in in a suite uh, for Alabama football games, home games, and stuff. It's pretty cool it's like the life that he always had wanted to live so very cool happy for him happy for him but he's the one that introduced me to tombstone so okay. there's the there's the there's the, the connection back nice I yeah like <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to us so that way you know when our new episodes drop you can rate us review us screenshot that send it to us via dm we'll get you some sticker swag sent out in the mail Otherwise, let's jump right into it, Joe. Got a big episode. I am excited to talk some NCAA football today. Big time. Got some news that's come down the last week. We'll touch on some players that have opted out of bowl games so far. We have this happen every year. Pretty much any potential first, second round guys that just don't want to risk injury, which I don't I don't blame them, especially some of the bowl games that they're playing in doesn't really make sense. But so far we've got Traylon Burks from Arkansas. He's uh he opted out. Kevon Thibodeau, I think, I think he Oregon. should be the number one wide receiver in the draft. I, I don't know. He, 
He's up there in he's in there with the mix. You know, yeah. some of the other Drake London, two some of the other yeah, Ohio some of these State other guys. wide receivers that are saying they could go first round. Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Jahan Dotson, Chris Olavi. But the guy that I, I've always been in, incredibly impressed with Olavi, given that I've watched that much Big Ten football. But Traylon, uh, Tray, is it Traylon or Trayvon? Tra- Traylon, Traylon, right? Traylon Burks was he's been in he was insane this year i mean he's got the size he's got the speed the breakaway speed he's the one that impressed me the most i think that i think that uh elshon jeffrey's probably a pretty comfortable pretty okay comp for burks just 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 given the size yeah and the athleticism but big body not any elite speed or anything like that but great route runner and yeah he's definitely going to be going in the first round and Seen a lot of uh, mock drafts Detroit, which I have uh, Traylon Burks in our campus. Where? Canton League, Detroit. And they're With later, what pick? Later on. Yeah. Later first. So that, not, that, that must have been the, so that would have been the Rams first rounder that they sent that the Correct. Rams sent. Okay. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah. I, I, it's, you know, you see more and more of these skill position guys that are going to be first round picks. I, <laughs> I remember back uh, when uh, Leonard Fournette was coming out of LSU and LSU was pegged for the Sun Bowl and people were in outrage that he was sitting out for the Sun Bowl. <laughs> like, what, that's just what are we doing? But no, now now we're seeing we're seeing guys sitting out for for a lot bigger of a games. But let's you know, what are some of these other names you had? Uh, we you got had? Kevon Thibodeau from Oregon, and then Kyle Hamilton and Karen Williams from Notre Dame's last uh, this last week. Just a couple other guys that have thrown their names out there. Which I mean, obviously, it, two it Notre like, Dame guys. Like play gonna be, it looks like Thibodeau's going to be Looks like Thibodeau's probably going to be he. I think Aiden Hutchinson has taken over as he, he's going to be the number one overall pick, especially if it's the Lions, uh, given that he's from Michigan. You know, Michigan kid, they could sell a shit ton of jerseys and would bring that, you know, that incredible presence. But, you know, Thibodeau had been, pro, you know, he had been projected as a top three, if not the number one overall pick all season. He still sits there as probably going to be a top three pick, given that there's this quarterback class is what it is. Kyle Hamilton, it looks like he's probably going to be a top 10 pick. I know Mel Kuyper has him pegged as his number four on his big board. So it's a big board. <laughs> it's, is it as big as his hair? That's the question. <laughs> and then Kyron Williams, you know, he rushed for a thousand yards, 14 touchdowns this season, which those no, I mean, that touchdown number is insane, but he still looks, you know, again, per Mel Kuyper, he's behind Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Spiller as the top running backs get taken, but he's still going to be drafted. So last thing, last thing a running back can have for, you know, playing in a non B or a non BCS game, non-playoff a non playoff game. game is to you know, watch him tear, you know, Last thing you can have is a guy tearing their ACL and end up, especially a running back. Yeah, I mean, they're and, shelf and dropping life. hard. Yeah, they've got maybe six, seven good years, have two contracts that they're going to make their money from, and then it's pretty much it. So yeah, I don't. Rook, yeah, rookie I don't contract, and then the, and then maybe if you're good enough, if you're lucky, you get a second one. So no, no fault on on Kyron Williams for that move. C.J. Stroud said that he's not going to try and convince Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson to play in the Rose Bowl. So that's obviously they are both guys that are going to be going in the first round too. So that definitely would change the betting line, I would imagine, if those two guys are out for Ohio State. But again, they've got so much talent at wide receiver. It's just experience. Say, they, they still got, all, you know, so. you, you let Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave go, and you've still got they've still got other guys. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. was their fourth wide out so if he has to start okay that's fine he was probably a high-end four-star recruit it, there's not gonna be and then uh jackson forget his last name it's yeah, one of those hyphenated, hyphenated names yep. uh so no there's i mean there's gonna be a little bit of a drop-off but not enough for to make too huge of a difference i don't think for stroud and, and stroud has to understand this and he knows that he's probably going to be leaving 
Ohio State before he graduates. So it'd be kind of hypocritical of him to be like, you know, pissed off at his receivers for leaving early when he might end up having to do the same thing after next season or the or the season after. Yeah. No, 100, 100% there. All right, moving to some transfer portal news. Uh, we had news last week. Quinn Ewers was leaving Ohio State and transferring. Rumor was he was going to go to one of the Texas schools. He took visits at a couple of them. I know he was at Texas Tech, but ultimately decided to go back to the school he had originally committed to in University of Texas and will be going there. Kind of interesting because Texas obviously had a huge down year, but it's intriguing them moving over to the SEC again. That's where he wanted to play and is going to go play for Coach Sark. But we had a lot of guys that have transferred out of Texas too, so kind of kind of interesting. Yeah, it's you know, Ewers when Ewers signed with UT, that was when Tom Herman was still there. Yep. So it it looks like Tom Herman was a fine recruiter. He just could not make in game adjustments as a head coach. There's two. I mean, there's multiple parts to being a head coach. You could be a great recruiter, great OC. Doesn't always translate to. Obviously, you said the same thing about Joe Brady. Doesn't always uh, translate into head coaching, or head coaching. Uh, you know, wins and losses. Well, I guess more losses for <laughs> for Herman. And actually, this year, same thing with with Sark. More. I mean, barely. I don't think. Yeah, again, I don't think they were bowl eligible, or maybe they just no. hit the cusp. They they weren't okay, so and and he was a, but he was a great OC with Alabama this past the the season prior with Mac Jones. Well, again, granted he had Mac Jones and 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 a number and Devonta Smith and all these you know these other wide receivers. But either way, I for Quinn Ewers to go back to UT, it's like it almost seems like he knew that's where he wanted to go. He left. He reclassified as a. Uh, as a freshman, as a freshman, as a 17 year old, so that he could score on that NIL money, that NIL money at the time of that transfer, he could not have collected in Texas, but he could collect at Ohio in the state of Ohio. So kind of have to wonder if that was just all about the money. And if it is, Hey, hell yeah. Congrats to him. I mean, he got, it was a $1.2 million deal. So I guess <laughs> You know, you have to you have to wonder about all the jerseys he signed, all the all the helmets he may have signed up up at Ohio State for money. Now with all those extras, do you do the do you do like do you send them to the third world country like they do with uh you know with all those leftover championship shirts and everything like that? <laughs> well, that could be something down the road though if he ends up being a Hall of Fame quarterback in the NFL. That could be something that is more valuable because he never played there other than a couple handoffs in the garbage time. So, never know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Never know, but I I don't know. It's I think Ewers to UT, they they've been they've been searching for a quarterback since basically since Colt McCoy. Hopefully Ewers can be the can be the answer because it's a little bit more fun when when Texas is legit. I mean, yeah. think back when you know the Vince Young days. That's the best. That's the best game I've ever seen. That Vince Young versus Matt Leiner Reggie Bush game. And when Cole McCoy was at UT with Mac Brown, that was all. I mean, those teams were just so fun to watch. So I kind of want Texas to get back to being better it's just more fun to watch texas it's been a decade since they've been relevant so it's kind of time for them to revamp themselves and get back into the get back into the national spotlight a deserving that they've spilled they've been in the national spotlight but get back in and deserve the national spotlight Moving over to another SEC team, there's been a lot of smoke and rumors coming out of Columbia, South Carolina. Spencer Rattler possibly transferring there. He's been there on a visit, so I'll keep an eye on that. That would be interesting. I mean, big name profile guy going to South Carolina for Shane Beamer. Keaton Slovis transferring out of the other USC, Southern California, that's also interesting. I mean, Jackson Dart was there. Um, Malachi Nelson's coming in now with Lincoln Riley. So I think Keaton kind of saw the writing on the wall there. I mean, he's he's a talented guy. He's going to be going into the NFL in a couple of years, but he's still got two years of eligibility now. So this is a big, big impact guy that you could have for a couple of years for a program. So it'll be 
it'll be very interesting to see where he ends up. Yeah, he. I mean, especially for some of these, you know, if if one of these uh, new incoming coaches that we'll touch on a little bit later, if they're able, you know, let's say, I mean, Brian Kelly does have a nice, he's got a five-star quarterback coming in, but right now Mario Cristobal, Cristobal does not have a quarterback. So if he can get Keaton Slovis to go coast, you know, from one end of the coast to the other, maybe that gives my, I mean, that's going to give Miami an immediate boost. So yeah, if you're one of these new, you know, new hires, you have to be pretty pumped about him coming into the portal. No. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be a big splash to, to me. And like you said, with Malachi Nelson transferring or not, not technically transferring, but re or decommitting from OU and then recommitting to USC. USC. That's, that's, that had to have been the, you know, what made Slovis say, yep, I'm out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, Bo Nix is entering the transfer portal. His teammate, Tank Bigsby, we've kind of had some rumors that he's talking about entering the transfer portal. We don't really have any confirmation either way at this point, but that could be two huge losses for Auburn going into this next season. Bo Nix has shown flashes at time of being a top quarterback, but then you just also have some head-scratching moments, so maybe a change of scenery would be beneficial for him, but... It'd be takeaways there, Joe. I just I just go back to his first the first game that I saw him play when as a true freshman for Auburn against Oregon to open up his season when he yeah again as a true freshman he looked really good he looked the part there just has been no development there ever since and I don't know if that falls on the previous coach Gus Malzahn or if that falls on the current coach uh, Brian Hurst. H e r s i n Herson Herseen whatever, but uh, he he just hasn't gotten any better and or does that fall on Bo Nix? I don't know. Either way, he needs to be a better quarterback because it looked like he Great. was he was he was ready to be an NFL QB and I think he's like if I want to make if I want to get drafted, I need to go somewhere else because at this point he's a grad transfer. He's running. He's this is his last year of eligibility, so he needs to he needs to he needs to put up some pretty you know put up a really good next season. And I think he saw he just said Auburn ain't the place to get it done. Yep. I'll throw this one to you. You've got a lot more insight. Know you have a lot of Aggie friends. Gel Zach Calzada is leaving Texas A and M, entering the transfer portal as well. Yeah, Calzada was uh he was a relatively high ranked recruit, but not nearly the recruit that uh Haynes King was. Haynes King was the projected starter. He did start up the season as a as a sophomore, uh, as their starting quarterback. He ended up getting knocked out. Uh Calzada started the final ten games, and we I mean, AM, their record is what it is. Just not just not good enough and They've also got, and then AM also has uh, Connor Wagman coming in this uh, this this next season, number two quarterback in the nation, five star guy. And so whether it was going to be between him, uh, you know, Haynes King coming back, this incoming freshman, we see it now way more than we used to see it. I mean, with with these these incoming freshmen, they get playing time immediately especially if they're a five-star guy because of this transfer portal, mm-hmm. you can't just be like, Oh, I'll sit him for a year. I'll sit him for two years and, and start him when he's a junior. That doesn't, you can't do that anymore. Otherwise these guys are going to transfer. But if they're a five-star guy, Haynes King was also a really high end recruit. So I think that, you know, Kelsada was like, look, I got no, I've got no future here. I've got to make a move now. And again, with this transfer portal, not there's no penalty. You don't have to sit out a year anymore. Yeah, you he's get one like, free transfer. Yeah, one free transfer. So he's like, "Look, man, I got to get out of here." And and obviously, with with Connor Wagman coming in, that's five star quarterback number again, number two quarterback recruit in the nation. There's no there's no doubt that he's going to be playing next year in some capacity. And Kelsada would be the guy, you know the. Guy left, uh, you know, left on the side of the street. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was always torn when they switched over the rule where you get one free transfer. It's kind of on the fence about it, but the more I look at it too, it makes it exciting. It gives you something to look forward to in the offseason, just a lot of high-profile guys that we've seen enter the transfer portal the last couple of years just to kind of see where they end up. So I... I, I... I, just, I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of 50-50 on it as well because I like what I thought was really effed up was like I always thought that if because all these head coaches could just leave any point and time. there would be no re, like there would be no option for the players to be like this is the guy that recruited me I came here for this coach now I'm stuck at this university that's that's what really bothered me. But now with, you know, now it's more of a free-for-all. I almost wish, like, there would have been a rule where if your head coach leaves or if, like, your direct, you know, offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator position coach coach left, then you could transfer. I wish there were, like, a little bit more exceptions to the rule beforehand. But now it is is a total free-for-all, and it's kind of weird. I don't know. It... It's kind of weird to me, but still. Uh, but I guess I'm I'm all for player empowerment in these kind of scenarios. I always wonder too. Like you watch all the like post game handshakes and stuff. Is there any like finagling going on there? Or a coach goes up to a guy, "Hey, great game! You should uh, you should come here next year. I'll talk to you during the off season or something." Like, there's there anything? Oh, there totally that? could be. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, hey, uh, you'll be hearing from me, buddy. <laughs> right. Like. I don't know, or you'll be hearing from my agent because they probably can't say directly you'll be hearing from me, but yeah. you'll be hearing from my agent or something, you know, you know, yep. <laughs> I mean, that stuff's got to be going, I, you know, that stuff's already been going on, but now it's legal. Yeah. All right, let's move into the Heisman. Very uneventful. I mean, this one was pretty much decided after the fate of the SEC championship game. Bryce Young took it home. Followed by a landslide. Yeah, I mean, well, deservingly so. Yes, that was going to happen with his performance that he had. Aiden Hutchinson was up there, Kenny Pickett, and CJ Stroud. So it was a nice scene, a defensive player up there in the ranks. But otherwise, yeah, any surprises there, Gel, before we touch on uh, the new rule that's in place due to Kenny Pickett? Otherwise, yeah, I mean, it was pretty straightforward. You knew who was going to be taking home the hardware this year. I was just really. I, I was okay. I I will. I was kind of surprised that Kenny Pickett was picked over Kenneth Walker to you know amongst those four, just because Kenneth Walker had his season was insane. And yeah, I get Kenny Pickett did turn Pitt into a pretty legit team this year, but to dismiss Kenneth Walker, that's the part that just kind of bugged me. I would have rather seen. I'd rather seen. You know, obviously, obviously Bryce, CJ, Aiden Hutchinson, and and Kenneth Walker in there. But whatever. I mean, ultimately, it doesn't really matter. I just think that I think Kenneth Walker deserved a little bit more recognition. Yeah. No, he had a phenomenal season, and Michigan State wouldn't have been where they were at without him. So that's what that's what I always am torn with these awards too. Because I know we had touched on it, and I don't want to beat a dead horse with what we had touched on from the last episode, but some of these, it just seems like who's hot to end the season. And it kind of ends up that way, unless somebody just has phenomenal start to finish season. But I mean, this was, what was it? A couple of weeks prior to the end of the college football season, every week it was somebody different at the oh, it was, odds it, rankings. It, 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 was it, it was Stroud before the Michigan game. And then he ends up finishing fourth. Like Walker he, was up his, there leading his, his after game, his big game. Stroud's game was... And Stroud put up bomb numbers against Michigan, too. It's not like he it's not like he was a bum against Michigan. He put up over three hundred yards and then but they lost. So that's what takes him from the Heisman favorite to finishing fourth. And yeah, I get that that's that bumped up Agent Aiden Hutchinson, but there's no reason for Kenny Pickett to jump CJ Stroud in the voting. I don't know. Every everybody's got their agendas. Yeah. I that's what makes it kind of hard for all these, you know, these Heisman votes. Back in, uh, back in 1930, back in, <laughs> not that, not quite that far back, whatever the Toby Gerhardt year was, like oh, 08 gosh. or something, 
and he ended up finishing, I think, second or third in the Heisman voting. But there were he got zero votes from like from the SEC from SEC country, and he ended up finishing second. It's like. Because they were all voting for whoever ended up winning. I think it was, uh, maybe that was like the Mark Ingram year or something. So he ended up winning it. So they all just threw all their votes at Mark Ingram. Everybody just votes regionally on the Heisman, which kind of taints everything for me. But who else are you going to have vote on this other than the media? I mean, if you have coaches vote on it, they're going to vote for their own guys. Was the Mark Ingram year. It was the Mark Ingram year, yeah. So that's how he ended up winning it. Good I year. said 08. Damn. I was, I was pretty close. Yeah, that was good. That, <laughs> that was, was pretty good. close. All right. Any – oh, Kenny Pickett. So we had talked about that on the last pod that Kenny Pickett with his fake slide then takes off for an extra 40 yards after the defenders pretty much froze. The NCAA came out and put a quick kibosh on that. And is it the Kenny <laughs> Pickett douche. rule? Is it the Kenny Pickett rule? Did they officially call it that or what? They but, should. Yeah, but there's no uh, no more doing that, and uh, which is right. It, he had a clean play like we had touched on the last time. For what I mean, the it, was rules a, it was were, a legal play. Was legal yeah. And, yeah, so now he can't. Yeah, last thing I just wanted to note, Doug Flutie won the Heisman. Guess what round he was picked in? Little trivia action for you. Probably the third. Ding, 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 ding. Say that. I'm going to go third. Twelfth round. Jeez. <laughs> Twelfth round pick. He was tiny. He was small, though. That's No, he was. It's just... It's just I, like, there's so many rounds back then. I'm glad that we only have seven now. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> oh, that would be terrible. We'd be, we'd be, yeah, we'd be out here for days on the NFL draft for guys that <laughs> are going to be end up being completely irrelevant. But that was also probably back in the day when, you know, people, these, uh, these starting quarterbacks would also have part-time jobs on the side. <laughs> Think how much moose Mel Kuyper would go through if there's 12 rounds of a draft. <laughs> They would have to have so many cans of hairspray. <laughs> that thing is a dome. That yes. thing's that thing's probably just as hard as a football helmet. <laughs> he doesn't have to wear one if he plays football. No, yeah, yeah. That he just he, if he was uh, playing back when they had the leather helmets, he would just say, "No helmet for me. I'm better off just with my with my dome." <laughs> they wouldn't have a leather helmet to go over that. <laughs> Wouldn't want to cover up that hair anyways. No. <laughs> All right. So let's move into our next segment. We've got college higher grades. So we're going to run through a handful of coaches here, six coaches that are taking over programs that are more prominent, more well-known hires. We're going to dive into a little bit deeper. We're each going to talk about the coach a little bit, just kind of give our case for what the grade was that we gave and why. So got uh, Lincoln Riley on the slate, Brian Kelly, Marcus Freeman, Mario Cristobal, Brent Venables, and the newly acquired or newly signed head coach to hire Dan Lanning. So hired, yes. So, but we'll kick it off with a coach that pretty much led the charge here with the offseason craziness gel and uh, talk to us about Lincoln Riley. Yeah, I mean, I give this, I give this hire an A plus 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 plus. This is the this is the best. This is the only guy that you would have hired for USC outside of Nick Saban. I think he's the number two. He's probably the second best coach in the uh, in the country, and he fits that USC model really, really well. He just he just kind of you know he just kind of feels West Coast. You know he's young, he's attractive, he's got a you know he's got a family that's. I assume he's that are attractive, just like pretty much everybody out on the West coast. Like (laughs) he's had, obviously he's got an incredible run of QBs out on the, you know, with between Baker, who was a transfer between Kyler, who was a transfer between Jalen, who was a transfer Jalen hurts was. Yeah. And then, and then Caleb Williams this year right away, just, hitting the ground running. So, you know, I I think he's just going to absolutely wreck California recruiting. And he's starting that off pretty fucking great with Malachi Nelson following him over to USC. 
No, I I agree completely with you. I also gave this hire an A+. Plus. It's, I mean, he's, like you said, killing it in California with recruiting, getting kids to come to Oklahoma because USC's program was garbage. USC is a very prominent, very prestigious program, and if he can right that ship and get them turned around where they're winning Pac-12 titles every year, competing for a playoff, he's going to just have the recruits knocking on his door. He's not even going to have to go anywhere. I mean, it's... It's insane. They absolutely hit a grand slam with this hire, and there wasn't anybody else that would better fit this job. And I I almost think that for the USC position, he's a better hire than Nick Saban would have been as far as like recruiting and stuff. Nick I Saban's actually, a great coach, but that. I think he is the absolute perfect fit for USC. Yeah, yeah. Saban, Saban's perfect for the South, Yep. for the that SAC territory, but... Lincoln, like I said, Lincoln just kind of feels West Coast, you know, he's, he's just, he's just got that energy and and the fact that he's still relatively young, he's going to be able to, he's obviously killed it in recruiting and he can relate with these guys more than Saban could, you know, you know, I mean, those cultures are completely different between the West Coast and, and the South. So yeah, I, this is the best hire possible. And it's it's good. I go back to the same thing that I said about Texas. I kind of I'm kind of ready for USC to become relevant again nationwide. I I never. It's just it's just fun when when USC is good, when Miami's good, when Texas is good. It's 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 always cool to see you know your your occasional Cincinnati's get in the college football playoff or whatever. But let's be honest, like. You want you're gonna want to watch USC games when they're actually good. It's like Duke basketball. We all, everybody outside of diehard Duke fans hates Duke, but you watch them every year in the tournament because you want to see them one way or the other, whether they lose or they, you know, it's just it's just entertaining. So I'm hoping that that's kind of what you what Lincoln's able to bring to USC. All right, let's move into the next one. Joe, why don't you tell the listeners how attractive Brian Kelly is? So initially I had him graded as an A before I saw anything out of him once he got down to Louisiana. The fact that Brian Kelly did run a decade-long, really strong program at Notre Dame, I mean, it's the best that it's been, that Notre Dame program over that decade is the best it's been since Lou Holtz back in like the 80s and 90s. I mean, it'd been it been kind of really up and down. We there'd been so much coaching turnover. Brian Kelly brought that team together back to a super relevant nationwide, I wouldn't say power, but they did make the they did make the college football playoff a couple times with in an incredibly strict academic school. So that was really impressive. So initially I'm like Hell yeah, that's an A. But then I saw what happened once he got down to Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, no, none of his staff members from Notre Dame followed him. So that's, that's like generally like red flag number one. Normally, normally these big time coaches can get everybody to follow them. You know, why can't he get his offensive coordinator to follow him? He, because, that OC didn't like, probably didn't really like coaching under Brian Kelly. All of the players for Notre Dame, especially after his really cold, like, exit speech, after everybody had already heard that he was leaving, that whole thing was weird. I don't know. And then he, <laughs> and then he goes to the LSU basketball game, and he starts dropping the Cajun accent, you know, I'm here with my family. We think it's real important to, you know, develop a culture. Like, come on, man. You're from the Northeast. You grew up in Ohio. Who do you think you're fooling here with this this sales pitch? But, so, I don't know. That, that and then I just saw it earlier today, and I'm going to retweet this uh, as well so that the listeners can hear this, but he did this really weird dancing video with uh, Walker Howard, who's an incoming five-star quarterback recruit coming to LSU next season. 
just weird dance, weird music. It's like Brian Kelly's trying to trying to be all hip as a you know a guy in his sixties. It, it's it's so weird. So initially I gave it an A, but I'm 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 not gonna overreact. I mean, <laughs> and give it a D, but I'll give it like a I'll give it a B. It's because he is a good coach, but I don't know how he's gonna jive down in that, you know, down in Louisiana. He's trying way too hard right now. And you can only play off this like phony persona for so long. Yeah, I I agree with that. I did stick with trying to just analyze him from a coaching standpoint and what he was able to do at Notre Dame. Tried not to take into his newly found Southern accent or anything <laughs> like that. So it's amazing I did, how quickly that developed. Yeah, I, I did stick with an A here just for the sole fact of look at the recruits. And I had touched on this when we had broken down his hire and him going to LSU, but he was bringing in some top level football recruits with the high GPA grade requirements that Notre Dame requires of its student athletes. You don't have that at LSU. He's going to be able to bring in so many more good prospects that he didn't have access to that he couldn't even go out and recruit at Notre Dame because they didn't qualify for him to even offer a scholarship or offer anything to them. So He's a great coach, like you had touched on, that he's one of the winningest coaches in Notre Dame history. Absolutely turned the that winningest. program around. He's got the, the most winningest. wins yeah. in Notre Dame okay. history. So, yeah. So, I don't see how that's not going to translate over to LSU. One thing that you had mentioned on with his coaches not coming with him, uh, the next guy we're going to talk about, and I'll turn it over to you, is Marcus Freeman. So, I wonder if that also had to play into it. Marcus Freeman seems like he's very well-liked between the student-athletes that are there, other coaches. So, I'm almost wondering if they kind of saw who the potential hire was going to be. And Notre Dame is a great program. It's one of the top programs in the country that you want to be at. So, it's kind of hard to leave a program like that to go to another great program in LSU. So maybe it was just something that they were comfortable there. They know that Notre Dame's in good hands right now and wanted to say. Yeah. And I, I'd listened to uh, Tommy Reese, former Notre Dame QB from the early uh, 2010s. If you, if you recall that, yes. if you recall <laughs> that name, uh, he's the current uh, offensive coordinator for Notre Dame, and Brian Kelly tried to bring him to LSU. He'd thought it over for, you know, a while. Just listening to this pod, it's it was a back and forth for him, and he actually sounded like he was really set on leaving LSU. And then he, and then you know, his heart just said, you know what, Marcus Freeman is a great leader. My heart's here at Notre Dame. We're building something really cool. And so he, so Marcus Freeman, I, it looks, I mean, obviously with him being able to keep his offensive coordinator, there's been no transfers out of Notre Dame because all of his players, apparently all of his players really like him. The locker room loves him and, and apparently, and, and his coaches like him enough to believe in him. So I give this one a B plus. I I wanted to go A minus, but he's 35 years old, kind of an unconventional hire for Notre Dame, just given the age. But maybe that's why he's such a good recruiter. He can relate to these players a lot better than some of these older coaches. And he must be able to hire or sorry, he must be able to handle this Notre Dame pressure. I mean, given that given that they were they trusted him enough to give him that head coaching job so i i i, I go b plus because it's he's as a 35 year old it's always a risky hire with a program that big and that uh and that you know big of a profile he's going to be on national tv every single week whether it's on nbc abc espn fox whatever it's going to be every week he's going to be on national TV. And so you hope that a 35 year old can handle that, but I think it was the right hire for them. And I don't know if they could have done any better. So I, I, it's a B plus with the potential for it to turn into an a. Yeah. 
that's I have the exact same grade as you as a B plus. I think it was a great hire. It was great for the program to have some continuity with him being the defensive coordinator this last year. Obviously, Notre Dame had a phenomenal defense this last year. Him taking over as the head coach. Super cool to see the video when he was introduced in the locker room and have him taken over. Everybody kind of went nuts there. You could really genuinely see the players were excited that he was going to be their head coach. Like you said, that's huge that they haven't had any kids transfer out now that Brian Kelly's not there anymore with the announcement of Marcus Freeman being there. Again, like you had touched on, I do have a little bit of reserve, 35 years old, first time as a head coach, but from what we've heard, he's a phenomenal recruiter. He came over from Cincinnati Bearcats as a defensive coordinator there. Have to think he had some uh, recruiting prowess in getting some of their cornerbacks that are just absolutely phenomenal, going to be first, second round picks in this year's draft. Um, Gardner and Blanken on the other one, um, Kobe Bryant, but it's... Kobe. Yeah, Kobe. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, you look at the defense at Cincinnati, and that's one of the reasons that they're in the college football playoff this year, along with Desmond Ritter, and he came over from Cincinnati to Notre Dame. Notre Dame has one of the top defenses in the country this year, so I, I think they're in good hands. Speaking of, speaking of Cincy, are you kind of surprised that Notre Dame didn't wait out to see if Luke Fickle would be? A candidate or were they just sold do you think or do you think they were just sold on Marcus Freeman I think they were just sold on him and it's so hard right now with early signing I mean, obviously days with, and everything with, you lose so much time if you wait a month or two to hire your coach where it's extremely hard to do that and you wonder now I mean Luke Fickle's name was thrown around for a lot of jobs and all over the country teams are filling their coaching spot right now because you don't want to lose any ground on recruiting yeah, with that with that early uh, that early signing period that's going to be in January February, you really don't you don't have any time to waste on signing some of these guys. So yeah, no, that's that's a great point. Yep. Which that may, be... and that may that may end up screwing Fickle out of one of these jobs. The yeah. fact that he's in the playoff, especially with uh, Ritter leaving after this he's year. Out. So yeah, yep. it'll be it'll be interesting. But you still saw his work product that he's capable, and you get him to a bigger college football program that I, I don't see Luke Fickle having any issues, but we will. And, and Brian Kelly came from Cincy too, you know, so since, yeah. since he's like, so nice track almost record right now, they're like so close <laughs> to a power five school. Like they're like, it's like power five and then Cincinnati and then the rest of, you know, the FCS or, or the rest of the non-power fives. All right, Joe, we'll move on to our fourth coach here, Mario Cristobal. What do you think of the Miami hire? Just just a quick note. Miami, or, uh, Manny Diaz now just signed as the Penn State defensive coordinator. So his landing spot after getting canned by Miami, not too shabby. Uh, hopefully, that'll, hopefully that kind of softens the blow a little bit because Penn State's, Penn State's legit. I like, so they're... I've got some ups and downs on this. I mean, obviously he knows the area really well, given that he's from that area. You know, he he talked about, even in his opening presser, about some of the high schools in that Miami area and how how much talent there was out there to be had. So the fact that he can just name these these schools just off the top of his head, that's really impressive stuff, and that's going to impress coaches, that's going to impress players you know from that from that South Florida Miami area so I think the recruiting should go well but my issue with him is that when he was at Oregon he never was able to develop a quarterback and that's what Miami's been lacking ever since Ken Dorsey <laughs> I mean <laughs> what's the last you know <laughs> seriously I, a good I college quarterback. No, but that, that's what I. But that's what I mean. Yeah. He was a good college quarterback, but they haven't even had really a good college quarterback. They had a few guys that were a name, Brad Kaya, for example. Like he was a big, he was a big time recruit coming into Miami at the time, and you know, four star, sweet guy, looked looked the part, but Miami could never develop him. And Cristobal really has never shown that he can develop a quarterback. So I think I, I give it a, I, 
I give it a C plus because of that specific position. And uh, yeah, they could, they could have, you know, Oregon has a sweet offensive line, a sweet defensive line, a sweet defensive front seven. Mario Cristobal is a, is an offensive line. You know, that's his background is, is the O line, but he's never been able to develop a quarterback in Miami still. And Miami has never, hasn't had a quarterback in the last two decades. So, or the last decade and a half. So what do you want to do? I, 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 I guess I give it a C plus just for that position. Yeah, it is scary. Like you had touched on with the quarterback position. He's definitely going to have to figure that out, whether it's getting a different coordinator in or getting some guys in that can help him recruit that position a little bit better, get some more development from them. I always like having coaches come back home to programs that they're familiar with. They know the territory, like you had mentioned, he's a good recruiter. So I do like that aspect of it. I just always have an issue because it just makes it that much harder to get rid of a coach if they're not good, i.e. Scott Frost right now in Nebraska. Yeah, But I gave well, it a... Well, think, well, okay, think about Jim Harbaugh. I mean, nationwide, at least on ESPN, Fox, they were saying, you know, you got people saying all over the place saying, get rid of his ass. He's been there for seven years. They're saying get rid of his ass. So it's like, but it's your alma mater. You don't want to fire that coach. I don't know. It's it's always, but like you like you were saying, uh, it's it's tough. But finish your finish your take here. Yeah, don't have too much more. But I mean, he he was pretty solid in the Pac-12 outside of this year, getting just demolished by Utah for the couple games. Had a solid Rose Bowl <laughs> win on his resume. Couple Pac-12 titles. So. The ACC is a conference. It's not like he's going into the SEC or anything like that. It's a very winnable conference right now. Clemson had a down year. Obviously, you expect them to turn that around. But um, Boston College, the quarterback slip in my mind, but he's coming back for his uh, Doug Flutie. Right no, not Doug Flutie. No. <laughs> but uh, it's a very winnable Matt conference. Matt Ryan? So not Matt Ryan. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so. But, yeah, I, I gave it a B. I, I think it was a good hire, but it's one of those things, too, that you wonder, and I'll transition this one over, is Oregon keeps hiring coaches that don't really have any ties to their program, and you wonder if they're going to end up just kind of doing the same thing. We've seen just the turnover year after year, every couple of years with Oregon, and they went and hired Dan Lanning, defensive coordinator from Georgia, and – He's been pretty much in the South for most of his career, now going up to the hashtag PNW and Eugene, Oregon to take over the Ducks program. So what do you what do you think of this hire, Joe? Yeah, I I mean, answer this. How much better could they really have done? I'm glad they didn't go with Chip Kelly and have yeah. that <laughs> get the band I mean, back together. Yep. <laughs> no, that I mean Chip Kelly would have been that would have been a disaster. I mean it trying to like resurrect history when it comes to coaching doesn't really ever work out. I mean, it, it's like, if it's like, you know, if Pete Carroll, if, if USC would have, instead of hiring Lincoln Riley, if they would have gone back and hired Pete Carroll, that would have just been a huge mistake. And if Oregon would have <laughs> gone and tried to hire Chip Kelly, like he's, he's at this point outdated. Back when Chip Kelly was really successful, that was when, you know, no huddles weren't really a thing and the spread, you know, spread offense, at least out West, wasn't really a thing. Mobile, it was more of a focus on kind of more your traditional pocket passers and his whole, like, basically what made it work in Oregon for Chip was this, this, this extremely up-tempo, no huddle, everything, but now every... Now every college team outside of the Badgers feels like <laughs> is doing that. So I don't, I don't, I don't. And we saw his record at UCLA. Not, I mean, it hasn't been incredibly impressive. He went eight and four this season. And that's when he's got access, immediate access to all of these LA schools, all these California schools for yep. recruits. He's been there for a couple of, a few, I mean, what, three, four years now. I mean that's a full recruiting class. So yeah, if he would have if he would have gone to Oregon, I think that would have been a mistake. So I do applaud Oregon for that, not going after Chip. 
And but but as far as Dan Lanning goes, I mean, I I guess you could just have to the hope has to be that he's going to be Kirby Smart 2.0. Another Georgia defensive coordinator. He can clearly recruit. Georgia's got the best defense or one of the top defenses, if not the best defense in the country this year. And hopefully for Oregon, for for Dan Lanning, that Phil Knight presence combined with the NIL is going to help quite a bit for Oregon. I give it a B plus because I don't know if they could have done any better. And he's clearly a good recruiter. And with Phil Knight there, hopefully that helps attract a few more recruits. So be so, probably pretty solid B plus. Yeah, I I like the hire. I like that they did something different, a little outside of the box. I guess I just have some questions. Again, hasn't had a head coaching position before, but he's a good recruiter. Like you said, D- Georgia's got one of the top defenses in the country, like you said, if not the best defense. Was their coordinator there from 2019-2021 this last year before he was hired on? I guess, to me, it's just interesting to see the direction that Oregon went. They're one of those offenses that you just think high-powered, we're going to score enough points where you're not even going to be able to compete with us. And then to kind of completely flip the script and go with a defensive-minded head coach. It's just kind of a little bit interesting to me, just kind of taking a step away. Pac-12, we think about teams out there, just no defense, just scoring (laughs) until you can outlast your opponent and everything. So it's it's interesting to see that they went the defensive route on that. So I I gave it a B. So I I like the hire, but it's just yeah, it was I mean, a little th- interesting. This could be the counter to Lincoln Riley being hired at USC with his high-powered offense and we saw what Utah did this year in the Pac-12 with you know, which it was it was primarily a defense, ball control, running game type of a team with Utah. So that that could have been the appeal for for Oregon by making this higher. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I agree with that 100% and it definitely can counter a lot of those schools out there that are usually more ground and pound and are high flying that way where if you can get a top 10 defense out of the Oregon Ducks program, that's going to go a long way to That's going to be huge <laughs> winning Pac-12 championships. And the fact that Oregon had, you know, they had Kayvon Thibodeau, they've had DeForest Buckner, they've had other yeah, they've had awesome high-end, you know, their front seven, they've had multiple teams with incredible front seven, so that has to be also a turn-on for Dan Lanning, knowing that he's got, you know, there is there is talent out west. Absolutely. All right, the last coaching hire that we're going to give a grade to is Brent Venables, former coordinator at Clemson coming over to the Oklahoma Sooners. So, Joe, talk to us about Brent. Yeah, this one's really hard for me to really peg. Um, I mean, for the last, let's say, two decades at least, you know, going back to when I started knowing Oklahoma football, it's been an, it's been an offensive show. And to bring in a defensive coordinator to run what has primarily been an offensive Juggernaut? I mean, juggernaut is is that the right word for Oklahoma for two decades? I would I I guess I think so. For for them to bring in a defensive guy, it's gonna be kind of it's gonna be just a shift in mentality. It's gonna be a shift from these boosters. What you know, what's to say if they start winning games twenty-four to sixteen, is that gonna do him any favors? I don't know, because you're gonna have to have you're gonna have to not just satisfy the win loss column is one thing, but the main thing for you to keep your job is by satisfying these boosters. So these boosters are gonna have to maybe change their mentality and instead of winning fifty-five to you know thirty-eight, they might have to start being comfortable with winning twenty-eight 16 something like that so i it it, i hope that ou is willing to give him a a bit a, a bit longer of a leash here because it might not look super pretty right away but at least he's got you know and and maybe the fact that they're going to the sec maybe that's partially why they wanted to go defense as well you know with that transition and 
if you look at the SEC, it's it's primarily defensive coaches that are dumb. I mean, it's Kirby Smart, Link, uh, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban that have really been dominating the SEC over the last few years, which are both defensive guys. So maybe that's the reason that they wanted to go defense here. Uh, but he it's it's such an unknown to know how he's going to recruit offensively because he's always been you know he's a defensive coordinator. He's always been a defensive guy. So I give it a it's it's hard to, for me to put a hard letter grade on this because it is such an unknown. I give it like I would rank it between a B and a C cuz I don't know. I just I just don't know enough. Yeah, this one I gave a little bit higher grade than you did on. I I like the hire. He was at Oklahoma from 1999 to 2011 on on the Bob Stoops staff for a while there. Yeah, but he, he got fired by OU. Yeah. He got fired by Stoops. But he still has a great track record at Clemson. Like you had touched on with the SEC coming over. I think Oklahoma knows that they can't do what they did in the Big 12 in order to compete there. So I really like that. Today he just landed his first prospect, number eight pocket passer in the draft class, Nick Evers. So he's already got a quarterback coming in. So I I liked it. I gave it an A-. minus. I like I said, I, I like him coming back to Oklahoma here, defensive mind to turn that program around. Is there okay? What what do you think about Lane Kiffin? And if he if they would have offered him this is obviously you know Ole Miss offered him that huge contract extension, so it's it was off the table at this point. Would you rather have had Brent Venables or Lane Kiffin? I would have rather have Lane Kiffin because you look at the guys that he's brought into Ole Miss and arguably Oklahoma is a lot more prestigious program and be able to recruit quite a bit better being at Oklahoma. But I think it was a good hire for who Oklahoma probably had to choose from. I don't, there was some rumors to Lane Kiffin, whether or not we actually know what his interest was. The only interest that we knew for sure was that he was hoping to go to Miami somewhere down right. in Florida. He liked the Boca Raton region when he was at what was it Florida F- Florida F-A-U, Atlantic Florida Atlantic International. Yeah. So Atlantic or Internet FAU or FIU. No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I don't remember. Yeah. But, it's not one of those one of those one of those third fourth tier uh, yes, Florida teams. Florida teams, yep. But although they were although they did end up performing a lot better under Lane Kiffin than Florida State ever did. Yes. So. <laughs> but yeah, I I don't know that Oklahoma ever really had access to Kiffin, but I I thought it was a good hire for who they had to choose from. Yeah, and I'm not saying Brent Venables is a is a dud, but just, you know, I I, I it's it's just a it just seems like a strange fit to me at least right away. And unless you know, and if he is able to hire or keep a stud ass OC that's going to run the offense, then I'm good with that. But it's just kind of kind of a weird fit right now, yeah. for what we know now. The only question I have too is he bringing over his assistant who usually holds him back from like running Hold onto the back. field and. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good point. <laughs> he, he he does seem to want to like go get in fights. Right. <laughs> All right, we'll transition. Running out of time here, but we'll transition over to some men's basketball quick. Auburn just got put on four year probation. Not a shocker with Bruce Pearl as your head coach. Seems like everywhere he's gone, they've uh, that program's gotten put on probation. Whether that was his recruiting cookouts at the Tennessee Volunteers, <laughs> so. Just another, just, yeah, uh, just a harmless cookout. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Any any thoughts there, Gel? Just seems uh trouble seems to find him wherever he's at. Well, this was four years in the making. Back in 2017, one of his assistants, uh, Chuck Person. By the way, what a last name, Mister Person. Uh, he he was arrested. His assistant was arrested in 2017 for taking, this is when Pearl was under Auburn, arrested in 2017 for taking bribes from a financial advisor regarding recruits. So this is, this, yeah, again, that was 2017, so this has been four years in the making. It, it four-year-long investigation, it shouldn't take that long, but 
either way, yeah, they're under uh, Auburn basketball is now going to be under fire for or under probation for the next four years. And then, like you said about Tennessee, he'd already had he'd already put that program under three years of probation. The moment that they were out of probation, Auburn hired Bruce Pearl. So he's got, he's clearly got a track record, A, of turning around programs and making them money, but it comes with this clear cost. Like, there's a reason that he's able to turn these programs around so quick. Yeah, he's probably a fine coach, but he's now got a very, very clear track record of doing some real shady shit. And for him not to be fired from Auburn, it's like, I don't know. Auburn just doesn't have the same, uh, I guess, set of standards that Louisville basketball does because they immediately can like that entire Rick Pitino staff after the, yeah. you know, the, the stripper incident, the, which actually they were, <laughs> I guess they were technically prostitutes. Yeah. Uh, a little but, escort action there. <laughs> yeah, a little, little escort, escortation. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think if you were Auburn, you kind of had to know, like, you obviously knew when you hired him, this isn't the... This isn't the clean, this guy clearly doesn't have the cleanest record, <laughs> and they had also pursued Cam Newton, who had already faced like federal crimes when he was at Florida for stealing laptops and selling them. So it's like I don't know. Auburn's morals are, I guess you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I I don't know this as you know I'm not gonna make a hardcore statement is saying that this is a fact, but it seems like they don't have, you know, they're like, eh, you make us money. You make us better. We'll hire you. We'll sign you as a, you know, we'll give you a scholarship and you make us money and get us into the NCAA tournament or win us a national championship. And we're good enough with that. They, they just like giving second chances, Joe. <laughs> Sure, sure. <laughs> Leave it it has at nothing that. to do with money. Last, uh, last topic. I know you were pretty excited seeing Notre Dame storm the court over their, <laughs> over the Kentucky game. So, why don't you uh, tell us about no, your I, I just, court they, storming? They, Notre Dame stormed the court after a win at home against Kentucky, who was ranked number ten in the country. In early on in the season, like if this was. If, if if Kentucky was number one or number two in the country and it was February and they're trying to fight for a, you know, trying to trying to make a real hard statement for March Madness, that's one thing. But we're in freaking December and you're storming the court over a Kentucky team that never actually seems to peak until right before the tournament. That's not worth that's not worthy of a storm courting, a storm or a. A court, court rush, yeah. a court storming, a court <laughs> rush. That's not, I don't know. It's like, I, 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 I totally understood it when Michigan beat Ohio State at home. That was cool because they hadn't done it in like a decade. But now we've got top, any top 10 win, you're going to be storming the court. That doesn't make sense to me. And it kind of loses a little bit of its, a little bit of its luster to me. Yeah, I don't know how to think about this topic. I think if we touched on it again, say a year or two from now, I might have differing opinions on it, but I'm just going to kind of chalk it up to COVID and not having fans in stands for a full year. I think people are just excited to be back in an atmosphere with full stadiums and just kind of find any reason now just to storm the court if they want. I mean, look at Wisconsin Iowa football game for I mean for obviously Badger fans we can talk about that Iowa I mean yeah they were had just come off of a loss against what Purdue the week before and the Badgers stormed the field again which was Iowa, stupid which is dumb yeah but it's just like I said I I just chalk it up to people are excited about it and it, they weren't at stadiums last year so everybody's excited to be back in in raucous and awesome environments I get, I mean that's the I just I don't want like storming the court, but storming you're the it field, is taking that away should from be it, but... like a that should happen like a few times a year throughout all of college sports. It shouldn't happen for a December win when you've got four months left in the 
college basketball season yeah. of the regular season. Four months of the regular season left. That's not, like, I, I guess three months of the regular season left. But, like, I don't know. It, it, I don't want it to, like, lose its luster. Because a lot of the times when I see a court storming, I get pumped. I'm ready to effing go. I'm like, fuck yeah, they deserve to storm the court. Yeah. Like, it but was awesome watching... I don't, want it, I don't want this to become a regular thing, and it loses its, like, its badassness. Yeah, well, it was awesome seeing Rutgers knock off Purdue, but it was on a buzzer beater, so, like, that was exciting. At home, Rutgers hits a buzzer beater and after cool. Purdue had just taken the lead. Yeah, and Purdue was ranked number one at the time. So, no, I, I totally get it, but I'm just, like I said, I'm right now I'm just chalking it up to... People are excited to be back. <laughs> I guess. I, I guess. I don't know. I, just, I don't. I just don't want. I, just I don't really like can't, it. But cannot let it lose I'm its thinking. How special it? How specialist a court storming should be. Yep. All right, that will do it for this episode. We will be back on Thursday with our Week 15 fantasy football preview for you. Again, we can be found at Dead Arm Sports Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I can be found at Das JPEC. That's at D A S J P E C. Jell can be found at Das Jell. That's at D A S J E L. Send us a review. Subscribe to us. Screenshot that review. We'll get you some sticker swag sent out in the mail. As always, send us any questions that you have. Can be fantasy related, otherwise, just general sports. If you see something pop up in the news, you want our take on it. By all means, send us a message. We're more than happy to discuss that on the podcast and give you a little shout-out for sending in questions, too. So, Joe, where can they listen to us at? Hit us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Again, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Send us a five-star rating or you know one star if you think we're that awful, but hopefully a five-star. And write us that written review. We'll take uh, take a screenshot of that review and send it over to us on one of our social medias. Again, that's at Dead Arm Sports on Twitter and Instagram. And then just find us on Facebook. Just search Dead Arm Sports. Hit up the uh, hit up those hit up that uh, the gram. Hit up the DMs, and we will we'll we'll hook you up. All right, again, we'll be back in a couple days. As always, appreciate everybody out there listening to this. Tell a friend. We want to grow this podcast, bring you even more content than we already are pushing out right now. So word of mouth is a great way to help spread the podcast. <laughs> but Word of mouth. Yes. Otherwise, again, appreciate everybody listening, and Joe, close it up. Hasta mañana, you iguana.